let you finish the story real quick. I just want I just want to make sure that you don't let that bar the the bar that you said in the very beginning go over your head because I think a lot of people give up too soon. You faced adversity with the kid. You argued in front of it. Think about if you had a left. That I know. So I know. so so if 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 I'm talking to you, not you, Jemai. If I'm talking <laughs> to you and you're facing adversity and you have a goal and you have a dream, you got to keep going because you don't know who you could be affecting if you quit or if you don't quit, who you could be affecting in a positive way. So Jamal, I'm sorry, finish your story, but I, I didn't want that to go over people's head because that was that was that was big, man. Go ahead, pause. No, no. Hey, 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 family! This is Che Willis coming back with another episode of Wealth Is a Journey podcast, guys. This is episode 36. We are killing it out here doing mad episodes, man, mad episodes. So <laughs> we have a special treat, guys, tonight. Uh, we are, uh, again, 36 episodes in, and this gentleman who I have today, he stunned on me, y'all. He stunned on me. He, I, I, I asked him to be on a podcast months ago. He's like, yo, slow down with your little podcast. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Wait, wait till you get a little bit. I'm gonna address that. Wait, wait, just just wait a little bit. And uh then 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 I, I asked him, I said, please, sir, please, please <laughs> be on the podcast. Uh, but now nah, this is this is my guy, man. This is uh uh Jemai Robinson. Uh this guy is multifaceted. He has a lot going on in his personal life mm -hmm. as far as business and his endeavors and we are going to get into it today he's actually a business partner of mine as well um of the legacy bounce company so you see the the bounce company on my um my instagram and on the podcast uh he is a part of that as well and uh this has been a conversation that i've been waiting to have because again on this podcast we talk about we talk to people that are doing great things out here in this community also people that i admire uh, we will get into why I admire this guy uh, in a little bit, but Jemai, uh, can you just introduce yourself? Tell him who you are. Um, tell him what you do at this point in time. Thank you. All right. So to introduce myself, first of all, number one, um, I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> uh, then after that, you know, I'm a God-fearing man. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, seriously, I I am just uh, just a man that is all about the community. I'm focused on the community. Before I introduce any other parts of myself, let me give a shout out to the one and only beautiful wife, Cherish. Um, that's who I am. You know, that's that's who I am. Look, I just got something new and I had to give it to her. So everything I get goes to her. Let me just put it that way. That's who I am, right? <laughs> and then also a father of three, a brother, um, a friend, um, and just a person that really wants to and strives to uh, leave a legacy that uh, was inspired by my mom, right? To give to the back to the community. 
um, but leave a legacy that says, hey, um, our homes can stay at home if that if you know what that means and not a, and not just a house. And I know it's a, it's a lot to that statement, but there's some people that, you know, just have lives that are houses, right? They just are housed in a certain part of life, right? But not a home where the, the things that are doing are done with love, right? Yep. That people are coming to break bread and fellowship and, you know, uh, have lasting memories with them. And that's what I want my legacy to be. Right, not just a place that they say I'm I'm a vessel, but a place where people can leave their memories and make it a home. Bro, that's dope. Um, because now it it makes me realize what you're doing because every year um you have something at your house where you get the guys together, we come through, we break bread. I'm like, yo, Jamai, what you want me to bring? Don't worry about it, don't bring anything. I'm like, nah, I'm not that guy, man. I need to bring something. And it's just we have we have a good time. Hopefully the Eagles lose, and then I have. A good time. <laughs> um, but 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 just having a good time around good brothers, man. And and uh, when I talked about having a a newer friend group uh, on the podcast before, um, Jemai is one of the guys who's a part of the, the the new friend group. Like we've known each other for a while. We play basketball yeah. in church yeah. and. And things of that nature joked around or whatever about the Eagles and the Cowboys and stuff. And and just getting to know Jemai uh has has uh enriched my life. So, <laughs> um, but but one of the one of the things that and I'm just gonna get into it, Jemai. One of the things that I admired about you, uh, because I've worked in corporate before, right? And I work in corporate now, matter of fact, and I have you know some side things going on, but for you to, you worked at Wells Fargo before. And I think that's when I first had, a, had an interaction with you because I think I bought some money in from, a, from I don't know if it was a, a branch or whatever where I was working at. But I remember meeting you. You were branch manager, if I'm not mistaken. And then yeah. uh, then we saw each other at church, right? Yes. yes. And the, the thing that I admired about you is that a few years later, well, actually many years later, then you became a teacher. Correct. And if you are a teacher, not you, you specifically, but anybody who's listening, who's a teacher, mad respect to you. Yes, definitely. It takes a special individual to be a teacher, to teach somebody else's kids. But during a pandemic is when I really realized how special teachers are and the things that they mm. have to go to and, and how underpaid and underappreciated yes, you they are. So for you to leave a corporate job and then to go teach somebody else's kids was huge for me to see that in you. So shout out to you, bro. That's why I, I'm you. among other Thank things, but that was, that was big. So walk me through that process of, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm leaving my corporate job and I'm going to go be a teacher. Like walk me through that, that whole process. If you don't mind. I, I don't know if you're ready for the story. And I, I think I need some lawyers when I tell the story, <laughs> but, uh, I'm gonna try to give you the PG short version go. of it. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that transition, that was all based on God, and and it was nothing other but Him. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, and it comes to a full circle um, back to 
unknowingly and unconscious, un knowingly but unconsciously, it comes back to the inspiration of my mom, mm -hmm. right? Um, my, my mom um, graduated at the age of 16. She um, went to college for just she did quick stint because she became pregnant early in her life um, by my, let me say, sperm donor, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I got to give him respect, you know, my father. Um, and to speed up the story, and when I was younger and I was, I went to Temple University, shout out to TU, and I went to school initially for business. And when I, um, my sophomore year, I took the macroeconomics class and it was the only class I ever failed at in my whole entire life. Okay. And it discouraged me and it made me the one to go to teaching. And it was based on like a conversation that I had with my mom. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna transfer to the school of education. Well, they wouldn't accept me. Mm. <laughs> and I had a good GPA. It okay. was just funny. So the counselor was like, uh, and it was an African-American woman. I'll never forget her. She was like, nope, I'm not letting you transfer. And I'm like, what? I'm paying. Nope, not letting you transfer. Speed up the story. I get a job at, um, I always had a job at a bank. I actually worked three jobs because I had a son at a young age. And um, I went from Bank of America to Wells Fargo, did really well there. And to the point where I was the co-chair of an affinity group, group where we represented all the African-Americans in Delaware and in Pennsylvania. And we would go to New York for meetings. And that's a whole nother scenario. I can't give out those seekers, but things weren't fair. Let me say that. And um, with that being said, I've seen that things weren't fair. So I would go to community uh, programs, especially nonprofits, always focused on financial literacy. They had this thing called uh, Wells at Work, where you go out and you teach people about business. But I always took it a step further. Like I always wanted just my people to survive, to thrive, not survive, right? And moving forward, like even my staff, I had this big thing like, and I don't call my staff, like that's my family still to this day we speak, um, my team. We, I literally would keep them after work and teach them financial literacy tips uh, about how to create businesses and things of that nature. Uh, at the time, my my leader, uh, Robin, who still says that text him last week, man, one of the greatest leaders I've ever had. And he's not African-American. Let me just say that. He is an Asian-American uh, and, uh, and a, a banging person uh, all the way around. But... Uh, he was like, hey, man, you're doing some some good things. and They're, they're a little weird, but I, I get it, right? And with that being said, he always encouraged me, hey, you're, you're only going to go as far as your team, so make your team great. So that was always my focus. And I had to always show them that I wanted my community to be great. So I, I'm out in the community, I'm doing my thing, and Robin happened to move on to bigger and better, better things and go back to the West Coast where he was from. I get I get this new boss. Um and this is at Wells Fargo. This is at Wells Fargo. Okay. Thank you for okay. Yeah, I get this new boss at Wells Fargo who uh wasn't so keen on me being in the community. Mind you, I'm on the board of the YMCA, I'm the v vice president of a nonprofit and her shoes to help women who are incarcerated get back into the workforce. Like I'm doing my thing. And he wasn't happy about that. Uh, and he really wanted to 
stunt my growth. And he seen that, you know, I was, I had a lot of influence in the area that I was at, just not my branch, but my community and throughout the, the company. And he just did little things to try to poke the bear, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't leap. And then it just, you know, came an opportunity was presented to me to by my by one of my favorite couples, uh, Cliff and Lori Hayes. Yes, right? sir. We were on a um, uh, we were on a program at Seas of Greatness. Um, you know, uh, just helping the youth with their with different activities, and they were basically presented to me. You know, the the, the possibility of being in education, and I was like, ah, you know, that the money. Not sure about that. Like, all right, I, I like talking, blah, 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 but the money. And um, let me just say, everything happens for a reason. So, so Cherish, my wife, was always getting on me about spending time at home because the bank is really demanding. It's not nine to five. Literally, the, the bank is like seven days a week, at minimum seven to seven. And when they, when Lori and Cliff started presenting the idea, Cliff, you know, Cliff is always convincing. He's like, man, listen, you're going to get summers off, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I started thinking about it and then also started thinking about that boss that was just not allowing me to grow, right? right? And then I started thinking like, hey, what am, why am I working here? What am I really doing? What am I, how am I impacting the community? Um, if he's not allowing me to grow, I can't really get out into the community and teach like I want to, like I'm in schools and things of that nature, and he's telling me to get out of the schools. Am I am I really uh, satisfying my passion and my hunger? Yeah. And that the 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 answer to that question was no. Yeah. So that being said, I said, okay, Cliff, let's do it. Let me do this interview. Let me see how it goes. Let's let's see if this works out. And after doing the interview and, um, you know, the Newcastle County Votech, uh, shout out to them, accepted me uh, as a person with no teaching experience per se, but I, they seen the passion that I have for financial literacy, um, said, okay, I'm gonna take a chance on you. That being said, soon as I told the powers to be at Wells Fargo, don't you know they wouldn't let me go? They, held, they tried to hold you to one of them Diddy contracts. <laughs> yes. I lied to you not. I gave him my two weeks and they said, nope, we're not taking it. That's crazy. And I told them why, because of my boss. Mm. And they said, listen, can you give us more than two weeks? We got to investigate. Cause I told them some things that happened. Like I said, I need, I would need a lawyer for this, but yep. some of the things that, that happened and they were like, let's investigate this. Um, they did the investigation and you know, long story short, they 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 said, listen, we see what you said was true. Stay. And there's some opportunities that are coming down the pipe. Right. Just trust us. And so that made me go back and forth for myself because I got an offer on the table. I got actually offered for another bank as well on the table. And my current place I was at for 15 years is saying stay. So, you know, that's a hard choice. Yeah. So when when you um what, what's not when you what's funny to me about people who are over or um overseers or bosses whatever you want to call them for people doing things in the community what you don't see is that 
you're pro also promoting yourself, but you're also promoting the company that you work for. Exactly. Which would maybe, if, as the kids got older or the community people got older or wanted to work somewhere, hey, I remember that guy. Let me work with him. Let me let me do what he's doing. And it just it it boggles my mind, bro, that 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 your manager or boss, whatever, didn't see that and wanted to kind of stunt your growth. When if he promoted you, you would have stayed. And then also he would have been you would have been promoting Wells Fargo as well, which is which is insane. I, I don't understand that, bro. Yeah. And it's just that's just some people's mindset, you know, um, especially if you're not a part of the good old boys club. It's just like, hey, how can you contribute really like you? You don't have the education, the experience or the leadership. So, no, I'm not going to trust you to advance in this area or advance us in this area. So. And the funny thing is the people who told me to stay was his boss. So it was his boss. And long story short, I did eventually leave, of course, on into education. But I still was getting calls after that. And I found out, I think it was a week or two weeks after I left. Mind you, I, I think I stayed for a month after I gave my resignation because they just wanted to keep me on and around. Mm -hmm. um, they got rid of him like two weeks after I left. And then after that, and this is not just focusing on a race or anything, but this is facts. I'm just stating facts. Multiple African-American um, leaders were promoted to district managers and above right after that. And so I always believe in my heart, like I had a great impact on that process because they didn't want to lose any more talent that wasn't being recognized. Um, and, and they didn't want to lose them to their competition or other industries. And as you said, when we leave, then the customers leave. And at that time, if you know the history of Wells Fargo, they were going through a lot of things, which they probably still are. You know, that's not one one area I believe that they wanted to focus on or do. Gee whiz, man. And you said that your you said that you your mom had you young had you young or had other children my, my sister young my right. my older sister shout out to her she she was she was like my stepmom and still is my stepmom yells at me to this day so that that's what's up man and and you you're where are you originally from come on man i'm from the w yeah, I, I know you say but you everybody doesn't know you you know you know where i'm from w <laughs> that's two a's yo <laughs> So, so my, my, I'm always fascinated, bro, by, um, life is, life is hard as it is. Right. And I'm always fascinated by people who, cause you're, you're from Philly, right? Yeah. Part of yeah. Philly. Born and raised West Philly. Some people, some people might not have heard over, over the banter, they might not <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that, that people um make it out of um areas where they didn't grow up and you i'm sure you can identify with that because there's i'm sure yeah. there's people that you know you go back to the old neighborhood they're still, oh, there. They're still there yeah okay. so uh how did you get where you are like what was the mindset of you getting to where you are now from where you came from like what it, it comes down to a simple a simple uh scenario um, my mom was a factory worker all her life, 
And I just seen how hard she worked. Like, I mean, at minimum, my mom did 16 hours a day. I She would fall asleep in a car in front of the house at times. No lie. My neighbor, Mr. Mike, would tell you, like, he would, that would be his routine to wake her up while she's in the car, while it's running. Yeah. And I said, I would never want to be that person. And my mom always thought I was crazy because I was like, mom, I want to have the house with the white picket fence. And she was like, no, you're going to, when, even when I was in college, she's like, no, you're going to work for this factory. And I'm like, no, I'm going to have this house. And, and I think she used to do that just to check me to see if I'm still focused. Now that I think about it to this day, I don't think she ever really wanted me to truly work for the factory. And sometimes she would joke and be like, all right, well, at least can you get a job at Burger King or something? And I'm like, no, you tripping. Like, no, nah, that's not happening. And I think that was that because I didn't have that father, that was her way of manning me up, like kind of challenging me and punking me. And um, that inspired me that I had to do better because I just seen how hard she worked for everything. Right. You, and you know what? Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure there's other fatherless um, men that are watching this podcast and seeing you um, overcome certain challenges that you overcame and then you made it over to the other side. And that's one of the things that we're talking about on this podcast, because um, some people get stuck where they are. They, they see their environment. And they have that environment mentality where I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to live here forever. And for you to have the belief in the midst of your environment to be able to make it out is, is, uh, is awesome, man. And I, I love seeing that. Yeah. I love, I love seeing it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, man. Um. So another thing is, is that it sucks going through the things that you go through. But the older I get, and I said it on podcast episodes before, I realized that the things that I went through when I was a child, even in even as an adult, they weren't necessarily for me. Like they were for me to tell somebody else, hey, I went through that same thing. And this is what the other side looks like. So you have to continue on the path that you're on, believing that you're going to make it out, believing that you're going to have that white picket fence. Yes. Um, beautiful, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, your car is beautiful, by the way. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you didn't you didn't necessarily see that growing up from people who are maybe upstanding yeah. citizens, maybe the, the drug dealers or whatever the case may be. I'm sure there was a few people that had you know nice houses and cars or whatever to, in your neighborhood. But you you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's that's dope, man. And then for you to be a teacher now, you can talk to the kids that's in their inner city going through the same things that you probably went through exactly. up and say, Hey, I know I'm a teacher. I know I got a suit on every day, but I was you now. I was you back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I gets, agree with you. Yeah. And, and what I'm going to correct you on, right. Um, not in a bad way, but <laughs> something I tell my students, I, I, I'm not a teacher. I tell yeah. them, the first thing I tell any new student and, and, and laugh with them for the four years they're with me, um, that I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm a leader, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I'm an instructor, I'm, I'm a mentor, right? I'm a business owner, a father and all that, but I'm not a teacher. And the reason why I say that is because I didn't go to school, obviously the four years to learn all the pedagogy and all that other stuff that 
they tell you how to communicate in a proper way, in a proper fashion for the, I, I didn't do that. But what I do know is I, I lead and I instruct my, my, my students and really kind of, you know, my extended family to follow a path that allows them to see success. Now I can't guarantee success, but I can give you the vision and give you the, the the process of the mission of how to achieve it. And, and that's why I, I believe teachers, um, those that are just, you're just focused on the craft and you don't have the passion behind it. So I'm not talking about the, the ones that have the passion, but the ones that just got, got into the craft and said, hey, listen, I'm off on the summers. Those people that don't have the passion and just are there for the paycheck are literally just regurgitating information from a book and repeating it to the next generation. And I think that's unfair. I think this generation needs to see experiences, feel experiences, feel the passion in order to understand the theory. Got it. And not even the theory, but what's possible. What's possible, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, and one of the things that I love doing, and I guess I will call myself an instructor as well, because I do the the um, I guess a type of financial literacy, talking about budgeting and things like that, which I I believe is the foundation of building any type of wealth, right? And seeing the the light bulb go off, that's it, of somebody's head to say, oh. I didn't realize that I was doing that or, oh, I didn't realize I was overspending or, oh, I didn't realize that I can invest, save, pay off things and and, and all the things that you need to do to uh, have more money in your budget. So I really, really enjoy turning that light bulb on in people's heads, man. So I can only imagine what it's like when, <laughs> when you're teaching the students, man. Man, I have so many stories and, and to sum them up, I, I've seen so many, I, I knew God put me in this position um, because I've seen so many students directly go from, I'm a Versace, Balenciaga, Nike, whatever, to, yo, did you see that stock? Did you see what Nike stock just did? No. Like, like that, that convert, and I don't mean like they're coming in and just answering my questions or just trying to, you know, satisfy I guess the things they think I might want to hear, like they're literally passionately coming in as soon as the door open, like they call me Mr. Rob, Mr. Rob, yo, look at Bloomberg. You see what, what's going on? Like, and it's just amazing. And I do got to segue to this. One thing that just recently made me proud about them was, so I was at Senator Darius Brown, shout out to him, um, his economic symposium at the Chase Center yesterday. And he, we were the, my program was the only educational program, the Academy of Finance at Howard High School was the only educational program that was recognized at his symposium and spotlighted. And we were the first video, which thank you, uh, Senator Darius, because everybody was paying attention then because after that they started networking. Um, but I was there most of the morning and my students were back at school and they knew that the mayor was coming after that. So I had a busy day. So I'm with the Senator and with people um, from the um, other parts of the Senate. 
And I left them back at the school, didn't talk to them all day, didn't prep them with anything, didn't really like go over anything about the mirrors coming. And the, the mirror comes, first of all, we do dress for success twice a week. So Monday and Wednesdays, it happens to be Wednesday. And the mayor comes with his team, uh, one of them being um, Ashley Christopher, the CEO of HBCU Week and things of that nature. And so my students are all dressed up, ties on everything in a public school now, mm -hmm. right? We go into the, to the, the media center and um, I introduce the mayor which I, to be honest with you, I don't know the last time the mayor's come to our school and is right down, right around the corner from his office, right? Wow. Um, so that's just a, a praise in itself for the program, not me, but the, for, for the program to bring the mayor to the school just for the program. Um, and one of the first and second things he said was, this is a well-dressed group. Like this is the best dressed group, group I've seen in Newcastle County, Votech. I mean, Newcastle County, sorry, All right? And then when they start asking questions, he's like, man, these questions are going to keep getting harder. Like they're asking about opportunity calls and things of that nature. And then at the end, and the reason why I brought out Ashley Christopher, I, I believe she asked me, um, hey, did you prep them? Like, did you, or the mayor asked me, wanted to, like, did you prep them? I was like, no, I didn't. I was, I was at the Chase Center all day. Like I didn't prep them to ask you these questions and things of that nature. And, and mind you, they're standing up and they're professional. And they're like, dad. So they like, they knew what to do. They were really on point. And to me, to, to have that reaction, right, means a lot to me because that means I can trust the youth to be leaders, to be professional, and to change impressions and to create valuable brands, right? Yeah. And that's huge because we're talking about a generation that everybody puts down, like, hey, nope, don't challenge them. Just pass them along, right? They got a, they got a 59, just give them a 60, pass them along, right? Don't give them homework. Like, that's the new trend now. Don't give them homework. Don't, don't have them do special projects. Like, that's the new trend in education. Like, don't put too much on a student. And I feel like with that being said, we are doing a disjustice to ourselves because these are the kids that are going to be taking care of us. It's a fact. And our leaders. And our leaders. <laughs> I'm being selfish right now. These are the kids are going to take care of them. <laughs> I'm not trying to raise those, those person that's going to be lazy and I'm asking them to change my bedpan and they're like, nah, nah, nah. I you you got that, you know. No. Yeah. We, we got to... We, we, I, I feel like we really have to challenge our youth to be great. Yes, we have to challenge him, and I know it's a segue to another thing, but it goes back to I knew God put me in for a reason because um, I don't know too many people that would have challenged them the way I challenged them, yes. and I say that be just because of the conversations I have with the students, how they feel like they're not challenged enough, and this is why they act out. Bro, you you said you said a whole lot, man. And and based on the the conversation that we're having now and the passion in which you're talking, um, which I didn't mention to to uh, the listeners and watchers, that you were teacher of the year. Yeah, I, I didn't even bring that up. Yeah, bro, but that's but no, no. Listen, 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 listen. And that's that's another thing that I have a problem with. Not you specifically, even myself. 
like we do a lot of great things, bro. And we try to push them off to the side to not shine and, and all these things. I know that I do that myself and you know me and you know, a lot mm -hmm. of the things that I have going on and, and the things of that nature. And even when people try to give me accolades, I'm like, Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that, that's a big deal. Like the stuff that you're doing is a big deal. The stuff that we're doing is a big deal, man. And anything where you're trying to push an agenda and and push people to be great, yo, that's a big deal, man. And you deserve mm -hmm. to be applauded for that. And the, the passion in which you're talking and, and the things probably that you've seen growing up and didn't have growing up kind of put you in this position to be able to affect change in other people's lives. And that's a huge deal, bro. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's big. And you and you um should be applauded for that. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And yeah. I and I'm just gonna say we we need to applaud you, which um just for you to step out on faith to do this podcast, to step out on faith to change the legacy, um and and create a legacy with your family and your community. Um we you and Tanera are doing right. What you and your extended family are doing is really impactful. And I'm not just saying it because you you allowed me to be on this podcast. And that's a whole issue because, no, I didn't duck you, sir. <laughs> didn't duck you. It's all about timing. Didn't duck you. There's a lot going on. Uh, but <laughs> what y'all doing is really impactful. And it um, it's going to change lives because these videos are going to last forever, right? And these videos are going to reach people that we probably will never meet. And it's going to be words and phrases that we say, that you say in particular, because you're on every video. You're the star of every one, right? And see, now you need some graphics to make, put some stars around you right now, just to let you know. But <laughs> uh, that being said, like, you're really um, going to inspire people to think twice about how they move and about how their moves are, are impacting um, people that they will never meet. Yeah, bro, I, I appreciate that, man. And and nah, don't, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not <laughs> what I'm doing is nothing. Don't, nah, I'm joking, man. Nah, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, I think we need to do that more. And I, and I, uh, I purposefully do that because I think that that's something that we as a people, black people specifically, we need to give each other flowers. Like there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of uh, jealousy, animosity and things like that. But I feel like if we come together, big each other up, if, if, if I see something that's a blind spot for you and I pull you to the side instead mm -hmm. of let you just continue to move the way you move and then without pulling you to the side, like, yo, you could probably do this different. And that could probably set you on a course to be, you know, doing whatever you're trying to do, maybe get you there a little faster or, um, with with the less bumps and bruises that you got to take along the way, like we need to do that, man. And yeah. uh, and and that's what this platform is about as well. Like we we bigging people up and and giving people their flowers and all that stuff. So enough with this love fest, by the way. Right? <laughs> I mean, we gonna we gonna. I mean, enough of that. Enough of that. But uh, oh, yeah, we, okay. we, we really need to do that more. But uh, one of the things that you're doing with the kids, man, and and you had said it earlier, is uh they're they're wearing balenciagas and they're they're talking about versace and and all these different things and get them getting them into that mindset as opposed to um 
having Nikes on or the latest Nike or Jordan or whatever, why don't you own the thing, own the stocks and get in that mindset? And I feel like if I hadn't maybe known that information earlier, then maybe where would I be? Yes. I'm okay right now. You know what I'm saying? So when you first got there and you saw that that was going on with the kids, how did you help change that mindset for them? All right. So this is where I really need a lawyer, right? So uh, <laughs> as, as me, much as you can share, as much as you can let, share. Let me, let me just say, I'm just glad there's no cameras in the classroom. But <laughs> <laughs> you smoke crack, don't you, Sam's? You, you, you and Joe Clark, that's okay, I see. <laughs> but I will say this, right? The one, one of my uh, fondest memories that I have at the beginning of my teaching career, which um, the program, the Academy of Finance that they they allowed me to be a leader of, um, only had like eight students in there um, when I joined, uh, for the especially for the graduating class. And one of uh, one of the students on my first year, my last day of my first year. So think about the mindset. Like this is my first year. And my last day, and I'm about to just just go and enjoy the summer. So my mind is like summer, summertime, like Will Smith, right? And I get into the biggest argument in front of the front door of the school, in front of the principal's office with a student. Wow. And I'm telling you this story because I am going to answer your question. That student, I believe, was at that time trying to break my spirit. Like, this is this is not for you. Don't mm. come back. You know, almost like that. What is it? Lean on me, whatever. Like, right, East Side High kind of situation. And I really prayed, and I was like, you know what? I'm coming back because you're not gonna break me. Yeah. And speed the story up. Come back to the school. My mind is set on. Let somebody else do that again. Let's see what happened, right? They're going to get it. Yeah. And that student came back, because mind you, that student said they were transferring. And they came back first day. Um, and I can say his name, because not seen. And he said, listen, um, Mr. Rob, I did some research on you. And I heard about you. And whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. And um, because... I know you came here to, to change me in so many words. And it really took me back. So, you know, I was on my Diddy joint. I was like, well, you got to go get this pie <laughs> over across the bridge, right? <laughs> Walk over there. And no, but he did everything um, that I asked him to do from there on. And mind you, he had a low GPA, blah, blah, blah. And I got him along with the help of Ms. Peeney, who was our co-op coordinator. Um, I got him a job at a company um, that is like a multi-million dollar, hundred million dollar electrical firm. They built the Chase Center, all types of places. And he went in there and he changed them. He was one of the few, if not the only African-American male in this company at, at the age of 17, 18, um, he's hobnobbing with the owner who's a hundred millionaire, right? 
And he did so well that the owner was willing to pay for him to go to UPenn or Drexel, give him a car at the age 18 now. Um, and um, he didn't have the grades to do it, sure. but he stayed there. And then he created at the age of 19, I believe, 19, 20, he created a whole department for them that expanded to Baltimore, Jersey, and was in Delaware. It was like a community outreach department. Age of 19, 20, he was on a cover of a Delaware magazine, right? And then he did so well, another company poached him from them. Bro, I'm gonna, so, let, you, I'm gonna let you finish the story real quick. I just want, I just want to make sure that you don't let that bar, the, the bar that you said in the very beginning go over your head because I think a lot of people give up too soon. You faced adversity with the kid. You argued in front of it. Think about if you had a left. Then I know. So, I know. so, so if, 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 if I'm talking to you, not you, Jemai, if I'm talking <laughs> to you and you're facing adversity and you have a goal and you have a dream, you got to keep going because you don't know who you could be affecting if you quit. Or if you don't quit, who you could be affecting in a positive way. So, Jamal, I'm sorry, finish your story, but I, I didn't want that to go over people's head because that was that was that was big, man. Go ahead, pause. No, go no, ahead. I mean, and and thank you for stopping me. To be honest with you, this is your show. Stop me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I, I, that story just goes to the testament of like, how did I change them? I changed them because I showed them, as you said, I think that was a great segue, right? I'm not giving up on you. Right. You literally going to have to lean on me because yeah. I'm not giving I'm not giving up on y'all. I'm not. And I'm going to push y'all to a place of a, a place of being uncomfortable. So that's my saying with them. Right. They I train them to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And they're OK with that now. Like they 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 actually are mad at me if I don't make them uncomfortable. Girl, that that's that's the zone that we all need to live in, and I'm and I'm realizing that at 44 years old, like being uncomfortable is the best place you can be for you as an individual to push past the uncomfortable place that you are. That's where the greatness is, bro. It is. That's where it is. And like if you get uncomfortable, um, and you stay there, you're you're only going to uh, get better and better and better, and uh. That, yeah, that's 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 dope, man. So so in this program, you also place people in different jobs and, and facilities and things of that nature. Or you. Yeah. So. So I help with that. We have a co-op coordinator um, who does that. Um, but I, I put the, the dots together in the sense of how I just run my program. So my program um, I invite a lot of guest speakers in there. So essentially, you know, I'm going to want you to come because um, I'm probably going to show them this video. Right. So they won't they won't know who you are. You're going to get a lot of subscribers real quick. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I bring a lot of people into the program because of my network, like Big Brothers Big Sisters helped me out. Bank of America um, comes in with their mentor program. And, um, and now um, I have. Barclays is helping me with my young financial leaders camp that's going to be held in June um, 17th on the week of Juneteenth. And we're reenacting Black Wall Street. So that's a whole nother conversation I got ready for you about Black Wall Street. Right. 1899. Just remember that date, 1899. But um, that being said, it allows me to use that network to put 
the students in different places. Like we have students that work for the Department of Labor, right? Where the Department of Labor like, ah, oh, we're not sure about having kids. And now they're like, oh, we love them. Like keep them coming, right? We have students that are working for code differently, a programming, um, uh, programming course or kind of company organization um, that's helping students kind of just excel in, in coding and cybersecurity and things of that nature. Um, we just had thorough threads. Oh my God, one of my biggest partners um, helping me with my Wildcat merch, y'all would say school store. So all these different networks of people, and there's people I'm probably forgetting, don't get mad. I'm not really forgetting you, but I just want to be short on the time of going over this. All these networks are allowing me to be a vessel to connect them with these great leaders and this, this next generation of talent. And I, and I thank them for that. And I know that's one of my talents is I'm just a connector. I'm just a middleman, right? Bruh, I, man, there are so many, so, so, so many bars in this, in this episode, man. And if you live for any uh, uh, length of time, other cultures, I'll say, <clears throat> are dot connectors for their culture. And if you live, if you worked in corporate, you'll see a lot of uh, people who look like each other are working with each other, if that makes sense, without, you know. Yeah. And you're trying, you're on the outside looking in like, yo, how do I get in to this position when there's no opportunity uh, to do that because they don't want to know you because they mm -hmm. know that. They know themselves. Yeah. When we can do the job just as good as anybody else. And the fact that you're connecting the dots as somebody who looks like them is 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 huge, man. And I'm and I'm only saying that from experience, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and and for us to be able to create opportunities for each other is uh is a huge deal, man. So um golly, man. No, thank you. And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right on the tail of that. Um, as you were talking, it made me think about how I never had an African-American teacher, as far as African-American male teachers, teacher my whole entire life. Wow. Never. So I really stand on that pride point because just looking around for what I know in education and what I research, I think is less than 1%, and I might be wrong with the statistics, but it's really small of African-American males that are in the system as far as the school system. But it's probably over 70, 80% of African-American males that are in the system. Wow. So so just let, like, just soak that in. Like, you're, we're asking our youth to be leaders, right? Yep. And to lead a community but they don't see themselves as leaders in the community. Yeah. And, but and they, you're giving them the tools to do that. They're seeing you and you're giving them the tools to do it. And you're connecting the dots. Hey, you want to do this? You're a good student. You're a leader. I see you as a leader. Hey, go talk to this person. Yes. Hey, connect with this person. And they know, and, they, and that person that you're sending them to knows that you know you, and they know that you're not going to send them no BS because oh, you're no. Nope. I will I will come and let me be careful. 
I, I'll make I'll make sure things are handled. Let me say that. I'll make sure things things are handled. My students, they know they will not go anywhere and not be professional and respect those that they're speaking to. Like my students cannot even interrupt the conversation I'm having with another adult without saying, excuse me, or waiting there patiently, because I won't acknowledge them. Yeah. That, until they, they show that respect. That's, that's so this, and these are the small, these are the soft skills that I believe are lost in education, right? Because we're afraid to challenge them with the soft skills because you think the parents are going to get mad or the community is going to get mad. Like, why are you saying that to my kid? Like, well, why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't I teach them about respect? Yeah. Because if they do it to you, then if they, if they either work a corporate job, they'll probably do it to them or if they have their own business, they'll probably do something, do it to a customer or whatever the case may be, and then lose, exactly. lose money and lose business, and then they'll go out of. So it's it's a lot of it's a. Lot. You ever see? Look, I got it. I got it. You ever go up to a cash register, and the and the and the the young person, let me say, I'm gonna be proper right now, Man. is texting or talking on the phone with their friend, like hold up, like give you the finger, and you like. Where did you learn that from? Like, I didn't like, think that's okay. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a place right now that I'm 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 not going to anymore. That now that I'm thinking about it, and and it's right here in Middletown. I go mm -hmm. there often, and the service is awful, but the food is good. Mm. And I'm not <laughs> going, I'm not going back there, man. I'm not because uh, I just had an incident. Matter of fact, this week, and mm. uh, the I I got no phone call back. I I, I called i emailed nothing so you know i'm like you know what if 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 i'm not good enough to get a phone call back then my money's mm. and it's and there's many layers to that because who's the manager the manager might be someone young and unprofessional and then obviously the person you experienced were young most likely young and unprofessional right so why are we allowing this to to be the norm why are we allowing the level of excellence not to be expected Right. And that's just one thing that I won't have in my program. Right. I, I just won't have it. And even when I have tours that come through my program. So long story short, like my program is the number one demanded program for the last five years. I've only been teaching for six. Let's go. Right. So mm -hmm. and then look, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Right. Okay. So with that being said, anytime someone comes to do a tour for my program, I don't stop teaching. You know why? Because I want them to experience the program while they're there. And you know who speaks to them? My students. And I have a, I have a leadership team for each grade level, right? President, vice president, all that good stuff. And the leadership team comes up, gets up, speaks to the parent, give them the rundown, asks them respectful questions, invites them in to experience. Like it's a whole process that teaches them or gets them ready for when they're out in the workforce, or how to handle themselves when they have visitors mm -hmm. or unexpected people, right? They're always on their toes, right? And then the the Wildcat merch, the school story I told you about, I have a CEO, right? I have a whole C-suite, CMO, all that stuff. Like I'm teaching them to understand, hey, this is where you're going to, this is where you're going to be. I'm not even going to say this is where you want to be. This is where you're going to be. Yeah. If you learn to operate in excellence. So that that's, I guess I'm just bringing this up to say, I believe education 
to really focus on operating in excellence, not operating to, to allow these students to just survive, but to thrive. If we set the standard of thriving, there is, there is no mentioning of surviving. There is no, we need no child left behind laws because they're thriving. Yep, yep. And thrivers hang around thrivers. Exactly. And, and, and if you're not a thriver in that group, you're going to strive to be a thriver because you're going to end up getting left behind. Yes. What's going on, family? This is Che Willis from Wealth as a Journey podcast. I don't know if you guys know, but I help families who are living paycheck to paycheck live the life that they want to live through budgeting and investing. If this is you or you know somebody, go to wealthisajourney.com to book a free discovery call to see if we're a good fit to work with each other for either budgeting or if you're a beginning, if you're a beginner investor. Um, again, you can book a free discovery call to see if we're a good fit to work with each other. Again, wealthisajourney.com, wealthisajourney.com. Let's get back to the episode. Brother, oh man, this, I, I didn't even, fam, I didn't even know we were going to go here, man. <laughs> I, this is, yeah, this, this is good, man. This is, this is really good. Now, um, you have uh, the Young Financial Leaders Camp. Yes. Um, what are the ages that it's for? Yeah, yeah. Make sure you get that QR code. Um, uh, <laughs> what are the What are the age groups that uh, you are allowing people to sign up? Is, is there like what is there an application fee? Like what? what yeah. Yeah. And what well, are they going to get with this camp? So, the Young Financial Leaders Camp is brought to you by the Financial Manifest Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I started um, just based on uh, just wanting to really attack the lack of financial literacy. So that's why it's called the Financial Manifest. And if, if you know anything about a manifest, like a, like a plane, right? There's a plan already set for us. It just depends on what seat we get in that, 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 that's gonna dictate our experience, nice. right? That's just life. And I want to put the youth in the right seat. So the youth that I'm really focusing on are students from ninth grade to 12th grade. Right? And that being said, those students are going to not only experience conversations around finance, right? They're going to do health and wellness. Shout out to uh, Cam, right? Um, sure. And Cam has helped me out in so many different ways with uh, connecting me with Kev um, from Barclays who's really been a huge sponsor of the Young Financial Leaders Camp that's coming up. So Barclays, thank you, Kev. Uh, Kevin Williams, just thank you so much. And then of course, Ryan uh, for Junior Achievement, because we're gonna be using the, the Junior Achievement of Delaware Building. Uh, and Ryan is one of the directors over there in Wilmington. And we're going to uh, have these students come in. The goal is free of charge. Yeah, it's free, like F. Oh, so there's no excuse. There no is no excuse. excuse for you not to get this information. The only excuse is if you sign up late and trust me, once this list really gets out there, there's not going to be room for people. I'm, I'm just, it's going to be exclusive. I'm not going to lie to you. So um, scan the QR code. I know people are probably on their phone, but play it back. Or yeah. um, you can go to the Financial Manifest Foundation on Facebook. All right. 
I I'll, put, I'll put the information in the um in the description also. So you thank don't you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, but with that being said, given that information, um, we're partnering with a couple people and looking to partner with some more people um that we're gonna have at the camp to, that's gonna focus on finance, but also is gonna focus on health and wellness, right? Um, and that's where Cam is gonna come in play. As you know, Cam is a beast when it comes to health and wellness, right? And I, and I encourage everybody, go get her book, right? Go get her yep. book yes. about forgiveness, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, so we're going to focus on that. And then the main thing that, um, and I mentioned it earlier, that is a passion project of mine is this. I'm going to I'm gonna put this in the screen. I don't know if you can get this, right? So I don't know if you know what these dates are. That's uh, Black Wall Street, right? I know you had mentioned it earlier. Yeah. So talk about it. So Black Wall Street, right, was around for 22 years. So my question, when I when I hold this up and I speak about it, why is this not a part of our history lessons? Agreed. Something that was around for 22 years, right? Yeah. Has 6,000 or more people that was involved in it. This is my passion project, right? We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be educating our our, our our, our students on this because they have to see that the wealth was already there yeah, and it was taken from us and it's time to get it back in all shapes, shapes, cultures, ways, whatever. Let Everybody needs to be a part of that, that wealth journey, right? That you're speaking about, mm -hmm. right? And then I want to bring this up because everybody jokes about that, the 40 acres of the mule. This is who started it, right? In 1889, he said, listen, I'm going to buy 40 acres in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to make this a whole community where people can thrive. And it was just a beast because um, they, because he, he had another partner, right? And um, they opened up hotels in the middle of the country. Can you imagine, like, the middle of nowhere, you're opening up in a hotel where people can stay at? It's salons, salons, barbershop, shoe shop. Like we're all gonna, we're all gonna thrive. We're all gonna make this money together. Yeah. Forty acres, thirty or thirty-two blocks, and this is history that is not spoken about. It's not talked about, and and I believe it's because then you're promoting confidence, self-awareness. You're promoting kings and queens. Yeah. And if you do that. You're going to be. We're we're giving people the power um, to overcome obstacles, and if we give them the power to overcome obstacles, then we don't have any workers. And and it gives people again belief. Hey, they did it. We built this community in hotels and saloons and things like that out of mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Yes. So, so one of the partners, one of the partners, right, was this guy named um, J.B. Uh, Stafford, right? Mm -hmm. He was the son of a slave owner. Now, yeah, I put this in context. So he, he came into Tulsa as a son of a slave owner. But he came into Tulsa as a lawyer. Wow. So how do you, so can you think about that? Like 
it's not like now where all right, you can sue somebody because they didn't hire you because you you were black or you were Spanish or Asian, whatever, right? We're talking about back in the day where that didn't matter. We're talking about 1899, right? They didn't care about all that stuff. And he became a lawyer after being really branded as the son of a slave owner and said, hey, I'm going to come into Tulsa and we're going to build some businesses. So people like that can overcome those adversities when truly the laws were made to hold them down and to keep them down. Why can't we overcome adversities now? Why do we keep blaming other people for our shortcomings? Why do we keep saying, oh, people coming into our neighborhood and they're taking our houses and they're gentrifying the area? No. Why don't you own that house? Because you got them Balenciagas on? Like, why don't you own that house? But you got got the rims and you got the car, you got the system, but you can't take that money and put the down payment on a house. You can put, before the interest rates was all crazy, you can put $1,000 down on a house. The first time home buyers program, you got all these grants that are out there. But you know what a lot of these youth are doing? They're TikToking. You're going to TikTok for this, this guy who, to me, is the weirdest thing because you got this guy who's a multi-billionaire. He can see every video, and you're hyped to give him every part of your body on TikTok, right? But you don't take the same amount of time to type and use your Twitter fingers to research how to be a part of the first-time home buyers program so you can get a house. How does that... How does that make any sense? And this this person, you know, all right, I'm I'm not coming at TikTok, right? But I'm coming out the I'm coming at the process of it. Of you're giving so much time to this person who's really not paying, yeah. And you're not paying yourself using that same time to buy or create an asset. But you have people who were the sons of slaves who had no internet. Who had nothing but figured out how to be a lawyer, first of all, in a racial society or a racist society, and then said, okay, now I'm making money as a lawyer. I'm still not going to waste my money because now I'm a lawyer on shoes and suits. I'm going to take my money and invest it in this dirt and make Black Wall Street and have it survive for 22 years so everybody can be wealthy why can't that be done now right it's man i that's a whole nother podcast episode but it's i think it's it's foresight man like leaders have foresight they see past today they see down the road they see far they see in the future And if you can keep the future in mind of everything that you're doing, you'll probably make better decisions. Um, Instead of buying those Balenciagas, let me own Balenciaga or let me own Gucci. Let me own uh, Tesla or whatever the thing is. And let me budget my money. So I'll have the money to buy the Balenciaga stock or, or LVMH, whatever, whatever the case may be. But, it's it's the again it goes back to the things that you're doing because it's given people um the the belief that they can do the things because they're taught something different that they see on tiktok or they see on instagram or they even see in their neighborhood for that mm-hmm. matter 
And again, man, that that's it's can it's commendable what you're doing. Um, because you're giving those people uh different ideas on how to do life different. And then when people's eyes are open to the possibilities of what they can be, we're out of here, man. Yes, here, I agree. Man. And that, that's the that's the fight, man. That's that's the fight, man. And and uh that's the fight. That's the fight because like it it starts with belief that you can do mm -hmm. it. Once you have that belief that you can do it, then it becomes the plan. And then it's the execution of the plan. And that's why the believe plan execute thing is is a real thing with me. Yeah, yeah. I love that shirt when you wear that shirt. Yeah. I, bro, I appreciate that. But it's it's really that simple. That's it. You believe, you plan, you execute. And if you don't know how to plan and you do have the belief we have to have the foresight and the wherewithal to figure it out. Like no, nobody's coming to save us. You have to do the thing that, that you want to do. Like you have to take the steps. And once you take the steps, then, then, then God and, and, and uh, your friends and, and whatever you believe the universe is going to conspire to help you complete your goal, but you got to take the step. Yes. To, yo. Have you know how many times I've failed? Like I tell my students all the time, you ain't doing nothing until you fail. <laughs> you, you, so I don't know if you you know what what where the name WD forty came from? No. So WD forty came from thirty nine times of failure. <laughs> no, they're serious. Look it up. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They fell thirty nine times in making a formula. So can you imagine that process? I keep failing, I keep failing, I keep failing, I, but I'm going to keep going until this makes sense on the 40th time. You know what? We got something. And that's a, a brand that will never go away. Another one that is probably old school, Formula 409. Can you imagine failing 408 times? Now, let me go to let me go to one of Derek's favorites. <laughs> I don't know if I should say his last name, but he was on this podcast in the earlier episode. Let me just say that. All right? Yeah. You know how he came up with the blue pill? Um. <laughs> oh, that's why. Let me just say that. There was some failure involved, right? Uh-huh. They were trying to solve what? Diabetes, right? Think about it. So failure creates success. Yes. You have to be okay with that. We didn't even get into the real estate aspect of what I do. We didn't even get into the daycare aspect of what yeah. I do. Or the Because the reason why I bring that up is because I've failed in all those areas, right? But I pushed past it and I believe that I'm pretty good now in, in all those areas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Bro, but you, bro. Well, first of all, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And you, you will absolutely, you will absolutely be back. And we, we gonna get into the real estate. We gonna get into <laughs> daycare, cause and that's why I said like, uh, we didn't even get into like I didn't realize that the the, the podcast was going 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 this direction. But I'm glad it did, and I'm glad that you weren't on the podcast when I first asked you to be on the podcast <laughs> because this is the conversation that we were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to have this conversation and um make sure that you guys uh whoever is watching listening that you go sign up 
Um, I don't know if the spots are limited or or whatever the case may be, yes, but they are. this is the guy that you want teaching your kids, man. Um, he was not the number one teacher for no reason. He's not getting the results with his students for no reason. Being able to turn a young person's mind from what they see on Instagram as being cool to, to now not doing those things and then focusing your energies on something that's going to give them a return later. Mm -hmm. That's who you want teaching your kids. Thank you. This is the guy you want teaching your kids. So, um, Jamai, I don't know if you have any uh, parting words, man, but uh, I, I really, really appreciated this conversation. It was really, really good. And um, hopefully everybody else appreciated it as much as I did having it. No, I appreciate it. And my, and my parting words is, right, failure is an option. It's what you do after you fail that allows you to gain wealth. Failure is an option. So some people saying failure is not an option. I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know not one person that was perfect in life. Facts. Facts. So you got to be okay with that and then move on and let, and let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get this money. <laughs> but uh, guys, th thank you so much for tuning in. Um, hopefully you guys again, enjoyed this conversation as much as I did having it. Uh, this was a really, really dope conversation with a really, really dope dude. Uh, and Jemai too. <laughs> Let's go Eagles. Let's go Eagles. Oh, boo, boo. Hey, man, this is, uh, it, it, this is, uh, the Cowboys are going to be, by the time people watch this, the Cowboys are going to be at the top of the division. We're going, we're going to the Super Bowl. And, and that's, that's it. That's the parting words from me. Wealth is a journey. Let's go.